Welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. Today, I'm stoked to announce we've got Annie Reichart on board. We go into a bunch of things, starting with prone versus suck down infoiling and a few really fun runs she's done this past summer, starting at Who Keeper and finishing at Sugar Cove with some of the crew, the Maui crew, inspired by the Voyager foilers. We also talk about big, slow foils and fast conditions, like she did for her first Molokai to Oahu journey. And also similar to what a lot of people are learning to do when, I guess, going through the process of that learn to suck foil. It's easier to paddle up a slower foil, but once you're up and going, it is faster and easier on a faster foil. We go into a bit on the benefit of winging and how it's got more people into downwinding, but I guess the importance of showing wingers the freedom of gliding down the coast without the wing and a bit of discussion on why wing deflate downwind and maybe how that's uh, a way to get people into it. We then go into other aspects of winging, backflips and other freestyle stuff and being inspired by others around us, as well as self-whippings for windy waves like on the outer reefs over in Maui. We finish off by talking about her big wave goals and how waiting for that big swell at Piahi is one of her goals and um, discuss a little bit of big wave toe foiling too and how um, watching the likes of Zane and Kai outdoors Piahi has been really inspiring and a little glimpse of what's next in the realm of foiling. All in all, it was a really great chat with Annie and a really humble young lady who I was stoked would come on and chat chat to me in, in my little podcast series. So thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the chat. Until next week. All right, welcome to the Casey Catcher. We've got Annie Reichert, which I'm so stoked to finally get a girl on. And um, <laughs> Annie's probably the, the downwind foil chick to be talking to. She was the first to sup downwind for Molokai to Oahu. And she's, oh, she's a pretty cool chick. Um, I, I met her at Sunset Beach. We're doing the APP World Tour Sunset Beach Pro. And it's been really cool to watch Annie grow up because I've known her for a while now and get into the big wave stuff, but also the foiling and, and everything else that you're doing. So um, Annie, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. I've, I've had kind of, I've enjoyed watching this and listening to the podcast. So I'm excited that I actually get to come on here and talk story and kind of, I don't know, talk about all the things that have happened since the last time I saw you. Yeah, we were just saying before we started recording that I haven't been overseas for since 2019 and, and Annie's just been, I guess, within the US, but we've been trying mm-hmm. to record this one for a while and she's been in Hood River, in Canada, in New York, <laughs> and now she's finally home, so I'm stoked to get her on. Mm-hmm. I'm back. I'm back for winter time, which will be nice to kind of settle in and train for winter and kind of get ready. Yeah, and, and on that, like Annie's charging jaws and all those places, so if you don't follow her already, definitely make sure you do because she's, she's one to watch. I'm excited <laughs> to, to watch you this winter. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. We will talk about it, but let's talk about downwind foiling. And mm-hmm. I guess we had a little chat before when you said um, some of the crew have been st- over on Maui have started doing some prone downwind foil runs just because because suck downwind's too easy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think I had a lot of fun. I've been watching all the Voyager foiler guys on Oahu. And I love seeing them, like the stoke and kind of the camaraderie they have, I feel like, around like their group of foilers is so fun. And we have a lot of people that we love to downwind foil with, like with a sup. And then 
we did it a lot this summer just because we had really, really strong, consistent wins. And when we weren't winging, you know, I think the downwinding is just such a freeing, special feeling. That's just, you know, it's something that you can't replace with anything. So we got really, we were doing it a lot. And then um, from there, we were kind of like doing so many sub downwinders. We were like, oh, well, you know, why don't we catch a little wave at Hokipa and pump our way five miles down the coast with no paddle, which I think for us, it kind of adds that extra like adrenaline rush because you know, you either make it down the coast and it's one of the best runs ever because you're just on this like effortless board that's so easy to pump or you don't make it and then you either have to swim in or you have to laugh at your friends and watch them swim in. So it's been really fun to kind of get to like kind of learn how to do that and get a little bit of both in over the summertime. Yeah, awesome. So great bit of insight. But um, so you were starting at Who Keeper. How long were these runs mm-hmm. It depends. Usually like our go-to run with the prone foil board is just, yeah, pop up at Hokipa, like catch a little wave at middles and then pump down to Sugar Cove. That's kind of the go-to. There was one day I, that's all I've ever done. I haven't done anything longer than that. There was one day that Jack, uh, Jack from town and Mateo, these two great kids from Hawaii, they tried to do under the Harbor um, and they ended up falling like two miles outside of Sugar Cove and they had to paddle all the way in. So no one has really attempted one of those in our group yet. I'm sure it will be done, but we've kind of just stuck to the closer shore run. So if something does go wrong, it's easier to swim in. Yeah. So for those that don't know the Malika run, probably the best, most consistent run, best consistent run in the world, I'd say. And it's an For average. sure. Yeah. Um, who keepers probably like, oh, probably like three quarters of a mile down the, down the start. It's like, yeah. Also um, from the, the traditional start of the Malika Gulch. And normally you go all the way to the harbour at Kahului, which pretty much is 15 kilometres, which is it's like 10 miles. Is that right? Yeah, 10 miles. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's about 15 k's. Um, that middle stretch must be what, like six or seven kilometres? So four to five miles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I did a downwind run was with Jeffrey and Finn and we started. <laughs> I remember hearing about that, actually. Yeah. We started at, at Noriega's. I, I used to call it Kuau point mm-hmm. it's the yeah to our bay kind of um but yeah the, the basically at the front of mamas um we started there and we, we went to sugar cove and we all got going fine or jeffrey and finn got going fine they sort of left me and i got going eventually and i came down pretty much outside paia and mm-hmm. there's a bit of reef that you can chip chip into but it's not like a nice little beach break it's a pretty heavy no dumping wave and I spent about I fell off you know in between the reef and the, the shore and I paddled out to the reef and I think it took me 20 minutes to get like a perfect chip in and then I got up and I had that most epic run from there into Sugar Cove in the meantime mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeffrey and Fina you know where'd James go oh he came down oh wonder where he came <laughs> looking for me and <laughs> so that was my first prone downwind foil and um yeah, so I know how hard it is. Obviously, the gear's probably come a long way. Actually, that's, that's a good yeah. what, what equipment are you using, like, compared to your SUP? So what are you using for SUP downwind foiling and what are you using for prone downwind foiling? Yeah, so I'm riding my 4.3 KT board, which is, like, 24 litres. So it's on the smaller side. I have a 70 mass. So usually when I'm downwind foiling with a paddle, I'm using, a like, an 80 mast around that or a little bigger. And then with that, I use a 70 just because, first of all, at Hokipa, I always end up hitting the reef with a little bit longer mass. And then I feel like it makes it a lot easier to pump with something a little shorter. So it just kind of like keeps it easier, like a little bit more in control, but it makes it a lot scarier because you have 
a lot less room kind of to make a mistake. And I've definitely come close to like thinking that I'm on my 80 mass, like feeling really comfortable. And then just like feeling that foil, just like the tiniest bit from coming right out. And fortunately for me, now that I say this, I'm totally going to jinx it. So I'll definitely let you know, but I've actually never fallen on one of the pro runs before. Knock on wood. I just, I said that for you, it's going to happen now. So I'm in, um, but it definitely, like, I think like having that smaller mast it makes it more fun but it definitely adds that kind of level of like a little bit of uncertainty and then on the foil wing my foil wing I use is a little bit smaller um just because I think it's really really fun to kind of be able to like surf the bumps a little bit more and so the smaller wing you have the easier it is but I usually go for an about like a an a thousand when I'm doing those runs mm-hmm. um yeah which go full have just come out with an RS 1000 and they're finally mm-hmm. The, the size is actually the square centimeters, so I know what you're talking about. So the RS yeah, it's so weird trying to convert all of them. And like some are measuring span, some are measuring surface area. Mm-hmm. I really think for those listening, like it's good to have like a number, but you can create more lift from like a little bit of concave or a little bit of different span or whatever it is. Like it's yeah. Sizes don't mean they're the same. So like if Annie's using size does not matter. Yeah. No, it's crazy because like um a thousand like low aspect surf wing versus a thousand high aspect wing. Like I couldn't do most of my runs on a low aspect wing versus like a high aspect like makes it totally doable. So it's more about like just kind of like the shape of the foil itself and it's about like the actual size of it, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. That's at least my opinion. Yeah, well, I tried the, the the lift high aspect 120, which I think Jack uses a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Good runs. And the pump and glide on that thing is unbelievable. But like you look at it and it's like, it looks like a toe wing. It, it's so small. Yeah. But it's like when you're going, like even in like three foot waves, I felt like I was maxing out because there's, mm-hmm. I think it's because there's like a little bit of concave in the bottom of the foil. So it acts like a bigger foil than what it actually is. So again, that's like, I guess my example of, even though it looks tiny and like size doesn't matter and it mm-hmm. isn't that big and it's a small surface area because it's got that little bit of concave, it, it acts like a bigger foil than what it actually is. So um, yeah, size is, you gotta, you gotta try them. I think like for those trying to- comp- Yeah, it's so hard. Like you have to like be there, try it in person. Talking about foils, like it's so fun. And it's so great to hear everybody's specs, but. For me, I feel like I need to be there like with the foil under my feet to fully get the understanding of it. Fully, yeah. What 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 um what foil brand are you using? Is still MFC? Yeah, so I I ride MFC and then also the hydrofoil company. So it's it's yeah. kind of like a weird relationship. Yeah. MFC ha they mass produce the hydrofoil company's designs. Um and so yeah, I kind of go back and forth between them. I ride um each of their stuff, MFC has some wings that are just MFC and the Hydrofold company has some wings that are just the Hydrofold company. And so I kind of jump back and forth between the two and I get to work with Ridge Lenny and Carlos, this guy on Maui, and they come up with some really cool foil designs. And yeah, so I, there's like, it's kind of a cool group here. Cause once again, I get to like test the stuff and put it under my feet instead of just hearing about it and kind of having to trust what people say, which has been kind of fun to be a part of that, like test type of thing and like kind of just like the R&D and development side of things it's been exciting to kind of be a part of just because I think foiling is developing so fast and compared to any of the sports I've been a part of in the past like I feel like every day some new brand is coming out with something so innovative and new that it's just like propelling the sport that much farther forward 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and what a great opportunity. Um, I guess for sure, I'd expect, yeah, you'd be on the cutting edge stuff if you're working with Carlos and, you know, the Lennies to sort of, mm-hmm. how much is Kai helping out with that or is Ridge doing more of the heavy lifting? No, Kai definitely helps too. It's, 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 it's a group effort for sure. He's in there. <laughs> Actually, I know he's, yeah, he, he doesn't leave any stone unturned, Kai, so yeah, sounds no. like any I think any equipment he can get his hands on from any company ever he is psyched to try it that's just how he works yeah I think that's a really cool thing and, and that's something that I you know last I've been using GoFall for like almost five and a half six years and like I, I love the GoFall stuff I'm so used to it but I just this last month I was like oh, I should try some other stuff and I've tried the Axis the new Axis wings and I tried the new mm-hmm. the new lift stuff and um it, it, it's it's cool to see and for me coaching I need to know what other people like try to have that comparison you know if I'm using a RS 1150 that is a you know that's the same as a um axis what is it ART triple nine like there's so many different brands yeah it's like oh it's hard to it's good to try because the size isn't isn't everything um mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's like learning a different language, learning all the different foil names. I feel like it's like, you know, coding with computers, JavaScript and all that stuff. It's like taking that to that level of foils. (laughs) So much because there's a certain feel to it and some glide better, some turn better and Mm -hmm. and shapes and there's there's a lot going on. (laughs) It's endless. And I love it. I think that's like the beauty of it all because there's just so many options. Like even if you have a foil you love, then like, the amount of like shims and the way you can tweak it and where you put it on your board like you're you're forever going to be like a mad scientist no matter who you are if you have a foil like you're always going to be tweaking your equipment just to make it that much better which I think is like kind of the beauty of it what makes it so exciting and so fun yeah well okay let's let's stick with that like what sort of equipment changes have you tweaked that have made significant differences for you for downwind whether it be pumping or turning or um any of that sort of stuff is there something that stands out to you that yeah, I've experimented a lot with length of the fuselage, just because even if I'm not going 100% for speed sometimes, at least for like on the enjoyment side of things, I find the shorter I go, even though sometimes it can be a bit more work and you might have to move your foil, like the mast up a little bit further, it adds just such a fun level of like just surf. I feel like you're on the wave and you're not the wave, but the bump and it just makes it so easy to cruise and glide compared to like with something a little bit longer, it's a little bit more of like a stiff straight path. So think in speed terms it's a bit better to go with something maybe a little longer but for me going like you know on a typical Maliko run and having fun with friends and using something a little bit shorter it makes it really fun to just cruise and enjoy it and it feels like you're just able to like rip every bump as much as possible yeah no, I totally agree and, and I guess because I'm like I'm coaching people to, to learn to downwind one of the things that I mm-hmm. use originally I was just like nah you got to go longer to use because it it gives you that little bit extra glide and a little bit extra like stability mm-hmm. in, in your pump. Um, for me personally, when I was first playing around with fuse length or it was just for go for it's just tail, tail pedestal lengths, which is kind of the same thing. I've found that with the shortest, you know, tail length or, or fuse length, I would fall off maybe once in a really messy condition. So like when it gets really messy, like towards the harbour or, you know, whatever downwind run you're doing versus the longer fuse i found i would be able to glide better on those wobbles it would sort of smooth it out conversely mm-hmm. the wall like that sort of twitchiness is so fun for surfing so if you got epic bumps and really clean line yeah. the short fuse is so fun like you said it's so fun to surf whereas 
as you said, a little bit more work because you've got a pump like it's like a higher cadence pump, but mm-hmm. the turnability, it just makes it like going from like a longboard to a performance thruster, you know, it's exactly. And it's so fun that like just that one little like amount of, you know, a few slogs on the back will make that much of a difference. And I feel like it's cool too, because it's really fun to like bring a setup that you might just absolutely love for one location, like, and then take it to somewhere else in the world where diamond foiling is just as big and try and kind of figure out if your setup's going to work in that sense too. Because I think that's kind of the beauty of it. Like it might work here perfectly, but it's not going to work everywhere else. Yeah, let's, let, that's, that's a good, that's a good little segue. So you've just gone to Hood River and um mm-hmm. That was for the, it was more like a winging and kiting sort of event, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was AWSI. It was kind of like a dealer meeting there. Yeah. And um, so did you get, it didn't look like it was that windy while you're there that you, did you get a run in? No. So I had an evil plan. That was my like goal. I really wanted to get a run in. Even if it was like a prone run of some sort, we'd take jet skis out or attempt to do a rock start of some kind. But unfortunately, the conditions didn't really provide us with anything we had like we had two days of, of wind but I think it needed to be blowing a little bit longer for the bumps to be any good yeah. I was bummed but I remember I did a downwinder there when I was like first got into prompt or to like accept downwind foiling um about that was the last time I was in Hood River which is probably like two years ago before that yeah. um right before everything I think probably right before we did Red Bull Heavy Water together yeah. um and I remember it, it was so different. Like I was on the equipment that I was used to on Maui and I came and tried it there and like the bumps are so much smaller and more organized and like the foil you need is so different. And so it, I was excited this time to try potentially kind of the foil setup I have now. Unfortunately, I didn't have the chance, but I kind of want to go back there, just go somewhere else and kind of see exactly how they compare. Yeah, because like, yeah, it's, it's always interesting when I chat to Alex and Dave about the go foil view because the conditions obviously Maliko run is it's a pretty quick run, you know, and Dave's yeah. at these times, he's like, you know, pretty close to 30 Ks per hour, like, oh, you know, for his he's fast. Crazy. And here I'm like, well, I did one that was like close to 28. And he's like, oh, that must be good conditions because <laughs> for you guys, you know, and, and we do get good conditions, but it's even like we get south winds and north winds. So depending on generally one's quicker than the other, but I don't know anymore because I just did my fastest average speed in the northeast run where it's normally the south run that's quicker but yeah yeah I, was, I don't know if you you would have done a few kihei runs maliko versus kihei i'm sure are you using the same equipment or are you like trying to use usually yeah it's weird usually i do use the same equipment um it's really hard to tell because from kihei runs like you don't get to drive up the coast and check it versus like a maliko run you get the entire coastline to go and see and you check it from you know the harbor all the way up to hokipa so with the Kihei run, it's kind of more of a guessing game. Like, is it going to be windy at the end? Am I going to get stuck somewhere? Are the bumps going to be good enough at the beginning? So usually I stick with the equipment that I'm used to and just use what I always have on the North Shore. But yeah. there have been a couple of days where I've gone a little smaller and used something and it feels really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 really interesting. I think, like, for me, it's because, you know, you find the same Malika run, but, like, you can go out and you guys are spoiled because it's usually... Yeah. <laughs> winds and if it's 15 you're like ah it's not even windy today it's hardly white cap mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're going out here in sydney a lot when and you know around the world people go out when it's not that windy so like i'll kind of think about using like for me foil size i have like my like bay run kind of just wind swell sort of speed and then i've got my ocean run a little bit of swell then i got my howling like sort of super windy with swell mm-hmm. equipment 
And um, obviously I, I try to go as small as I can on those really windy days. But I also know that for the bay runs and like light wind conditions, I've got like a max. I, I need to use a certain size for it to be fun. Otherwise I'm just pumping over the, over the bumps, which is it's kind of like a downwind yeah. pump rather than a downwind surf. So it's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not to go slower to make it more fun. Have you, mm-hmm. like it's called River, you probably experienced something like that. Because it is, I found it was a bit slower there than a Maliko, for example. Yeah, no, it, it's a wild concept because I think with some of the wings that I used to use at least, and I still do use a little bit of them, like they need to be going fast the entire time or they're not going to stay up. And so at that point, you're pretty much just jumping bumps the whole time. Like you're doing a race pretty much. Like you're just going straight downwind, going, going, going. And I think that has its like time and place. Like I think like an M2O setting or something like that, that's like the perfect foil. That's what you want. But for the most part, you know, we haven't had an M2O in two years. I'm going out there and I'm, I'm like, want to enjoy the conditions. And I don't want to just like, you know, hop bumps and go straight to the finish line. Usually I kind of want to, of course, go as fast as I can, but also enjoy the, you know, the conditions we have. So I definitely have found myself kind of like, although I have foils that might perform better in some situations, kind of reverting back to those foils that I know are going to perform so well and they're going to stick with the bumps and I'm going to be able to kind of stay in that little tight area that I can still just kind of enjoy and cruise and it was actually really funny like in Hood River I did the stern wheeler Mm. which is like the boat in Hood River and there's it makes like a really really big wave behind it and I found that surfing the stern wheeler reminded me exactly of downwind foiling just because it's like that perfect probably like need a waist high bump and you're just endlessly surfing it and it was really fun to be kind of able to like train and practice in my mind on a flat water you know glassy setting kind of to think about the downwind side of that and kind of like prepare myself when I go back into the wind and the downwind side kind of like how I'm gonna you know improve and how I'm gonna like take those next steps just really like you know work on the surf side of that because I think that that that's what makes it so fun for me. Yeah, for sure. I think let, let's go into like Molokai and I guess racing downwind but mm-hmm. into like, I guess the, almost like a wave pool, you know, a stern wheel. Like imagine if you bought a stern wheel, that's way cheaper than building a wave pool and you just drove it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're ready to go. Um, yeah, I quit everything. I just do that. <laughs> seriously. Um, but yeah, Molokai to Oahu and I guess races. Cause, so those who don't know, Annie was the first woman to foil across the cavey channel um and i remember that year because you were actually all geared up to to race your stand-up and Kai, mm-hmm. like, Annie, you <laughs> so talk us through that's a, that's going to be a great story so do you want to tell us about that whole experience and you've done it twice now so mm. yeah yeah for sure it, it was hilarious guys he always ends up talking me into things that are potentially dangerous always fun and they always play out well but yeah. So what happened was, yeah, I was training for my first M2O um, solo. I had done it a couple years previously on a relay, but I was training to paddle it on a step race board on my 14-foot board. And I was excited for it. It was really fun. And about a month and a half prior to that is when I learned how to downwind foil. And so I was only downwind foiling for about a month, and, or I'd say like a month before that probably. And so I'd done two harbor runs on my foil. That was it. I'd done a bunch of sugar cove runs. I was um, downwinding a lot with Kai and Cody and Jeffrey and Finn Spencer. And we had a fun Maui crew, but I never really thought of it being like something I'd spend a lot of time doing or ever racing in. And so I continued to put a lot of time into the training of um, my race board. And then about two days before we were heading over to Molokai to do the race, I'd have my board all set up, whatever. Um, Kai called me randomly and he's like, hey, like, 
I have this crazy idea. I think you should foil them to O. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't done this enough. Um, I've done like two harbor runs, that's it. I need to do three in a row to like come anywhere close to simulating what M2O would be like. And then I kind of thought about it more and he kept texting and badgering me about it. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I feel like if I give up this opportunity cause it was the first year that the guys were in it too, I'm gonna be bummed. And so I was like, okay, well I'm just gonna bring both my 14 foot board and my foil with me and then decide over there. I was like, I'll continue my indecisiveness. I'll kind of let, let, the, let it play out and see how it happens and then pretty much an hour before dark I'd say the night before the race is when I finally decided I like went up to the event organizers I was like hey guys like can I change my entry I'm gonna foil it instead and they're like oh yeah of course go for it kind of looking at me like do we think she's gonna make it across the channel I don't know and then um changed it and set all my stuff up I was definitely like I think if I was glad that I didn't really think it through too much I was like I'm gonna go for it I'm gonna do this I've if I don't make it, I'll paddle my way across the channel, whatever. And um, yeah, it ended up being amazing. It took me a while. It took me like five hours, which, you know, it was painstaking. And the setup I had now, I mean, I, of course, you know how far foiling has come. Like, I think what I do it on now is just so much more high tech than what I did it on then. But I was so happy when I finally crossed the finish line. I felt like I like deserved to cross the finish line. It was such like a brutal, grueling race. And um, yeah, I was really happy that I ended up doing it. So thanks, Kai. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I listened to you. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being there, and it, there was chatter that you know Annie was maybe going to change her, you know, um, craft. But I didn't know that you hadn't supped it before. So you'd only done mm -hmm. stuff, and you're like, oh, this is the year I'm going to sup paddle across the the channel. Yeah. So I'd spent so much time training. Yeah, I'd spent so much time training for it. So I was like, oh, I put so much time in. And then, you know, Kai's little voice in the back of my head was like, you should foil it. And I was like, it is really fun. I probably should go for it. And, yeah. yeah. And, it would, you know, and I guess it wouldn't have been wasted training. All the, all the time you spent on the race board would have for sure helped. Um, how, mm -hmm. how much foil, talk us through the race. Because for those that have only foiled a month, that would be, you know, that's a pretty long way to foil. You know, you're doing 52 kilometers and I know the beginning, it was a pretty good year wind-wise, but the beginning was pretty. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I paddled for about like, I'd say five minutes or so before I got up, just paddling. And Kai and Jeffrey, because I've done it twice now, so it's hard to remember the first year a bit more, but I believe Kai and Jeffrey just got up and they were gone. Like they flat water pumped up and I wasn't anywhere close to being able to do that. So I was like, oh, okay. I kind of just started paddling and then eventually hit the bumps and got up and with this with that race I came down a lot like the foil I was using it was really slow so the bumps were actually faster than me so I would kind of pump 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 a bump would like come I'd fall off the back of that one and I'd have to like pump and then like kind of ride the top of that one until I fell off the back again and so it was the opposite of what I was used to usually you're riding the bumps and you're going in front of them and it was kind of the opposite of that just because the swells were so big and my foil was really big and I wasn't able to keep up so I came down a lot. China wall was just brutal just because of all the backwash and all that stuff. And, and then right after China wall, I just gave up paddled all the way in and um, on my stomach, pretty much just head down. My dad was trying to cheer me on from the escort boat. And I was like, dad, I love you, but please just leave me alone. I'm like, not happy right now. And then crossing the finish line, of course, like the endorphins and just the release and seeing everybody and the fact that I made it just made it all worth it. But it was like an, a race of a lot of emotions. I remember like sitting on my board at one point, like middle of the channel 
um, drinking some water and eating something. And I was like, what am I doing right now? Like I could be paddling. I could be on like a big board instead of floating on this tiny little like toothpick of a board in the middle of a channel. Mm. Um, but I think that's just what made it like more special. More rewarding. Yeah. Once you finished, like, come, yeah. like that's literally in the deep end. That's, that's the deep yeah. end. <laughs> yeah exactly I'm like I jumped right off the deep end great <laughs> yeah but I guess okay so this is actually really good because I've had a, some of my people I'm coaching that I always tell them to start on a bigger foil because at least when you're paddling you're sup at least you can get up you know on, on mm -hmm. your sup foil no point going too small a foil that you're never going to get up so you were using a, a pretty large foil by the sounds of it and one of the things we spoke about earlier was matching the speed of the swells with your foil generally when you're first starting out, the foil that you can paddle up isn't going to match the speed of those swells. So like mm -hmm. you to Oahu, a lot, probably a lot more pumping and probably a lot more technical work. So I sort of explain it as like an S turn. So if I'm, you know, these are the two swells, I'm not going to be able to keep up with any of them. But if I start here, I actually want to come across and sort of milk all the speed out of it. And then I almost want to pull off this one and go across the wind. So I allow this one to catch up to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I did for 32 miles completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you're taking off or you, you get on that one swell and it's like, a, usually it's just like, um, Matt Cossett calls it a packet, but, you know, most of us call it a set of waves, like a three or four wave set. And then mm -hmm. and going way too fast and you sort of get on them and you want to milk the speed that you can out of it. But you've got to pull off before you, you know, either the swell goes about you and you turn into going an uphill or you breach. So do you want to, I guess, explain that a little bit, maybe some, some way, the little S's or what were you doing to, to negotiate those, you know, all the way across the channel? Yeah, no, for sure. I hadn't done it very much before I started that race, which I think is kind of, I mean, I had a, had a long time to figure it out in that little period of time, but it was weird for me because usually with the foil, I was riding a Nash foil at that point and it was a foil that had just come out. It was like still like, you know, back when diamond foiling was barely a thing and there weren't really any foils that were made just for that. And foil I had was good. It worked for Maliko runs and that's all I'd ever used it on. And I was able to keep up with the bumps for the most part, um, but I'd only done like two Harbor runs. And so usually the Sugar Cove bumps when you're kind of close to the inside, they're a little bit slower than the bumps that are way out there. And so being in a channel where the bumps are that fast, I had no idea that I was gonna be kind of in a situation like that where my foil wasn't able to perform how I needed it to in order to keep up with what was happening. And yeah, so pretty much, as you said, it's like the S effect pretty much. Like I'd be going straight, a bump would kind of come up, go over the top of me and you can't really just keep straight pumping. It's like trying to pump up a hill, like you can't really do that. So that's when you have to automatically kind of take like a U-turn, kind of pump back towards, or not, I wouldn't say back out, but I just kind of started pumping like towards the side, like straight sidewind, and then pump, 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 wait and be patient until that next bigger or, you know, same size bump eventually catches up with you. And then that's when you turn back and just kind of continue to go downwind. So I had the exact same thing happen for me. I'm sure as all your students have been feeling, it's like a really frustrating thing because you need a foil that's big enough to get up, but at the same time, once you're up, you want something so much smaller than what you have. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, some people I'm coaching, they've come from prone foil, like just surfing, and they go to mm -hmm. people, they, you know, I want them to be able to get up if they come down out in the middle, you know, so prone falling's great. Yeah. You, you know, it could mean a 10, 20 minute paddle back into shore to get that chip <laughs> in. With the SUP, you know, I think you and I both agree on this, with the SUP, 
it's probably a more free way of doing it because if you do come down mm-hmm. an exit plan you know you can hopefully paddle yeah. up and get going so yeah that that description i think is going to help a lot of people and it's basically you just can't think of you're not surfing the one wave you've got to think about all the energy out there and make the most of all of yeah. it one little bit then you can just cut across and what you described then going sidewind is something that people don't think about a lot i think and that's really important when we go downwind on a foil we can go straight we can go 30 degrees mm-hmm. like we would on a sap or any other sort of downwind craft but we can also go like completely like 90 degrees almost upwind yeah and and that is a really powerful thing because we can get ourselves out of bad situations but also allow everything else to catch us up because if we continue to go straight we get stuck in the same spot if we go across we allow everything to catch up and when something catches up to you you can tap into that energy and and glide i guess is best yeah Yeah. big foiling downwind is hard but it teaches you i think it teaches you a lot of good skills and it's a necessary step before you get to using your or paddling up on your smaller foil. For sure. Yeah. And I think like for us, we took a lot of that kind of out of the downwind, like just sup racing we used to do without a foil. I think a lot of it's technique, like some of the fastest guys were just the fastest is because of like what their mind knew and what they knew how to do when it came to that. So I think we kind of took that and turned it into a foiling technique kind of thing. Like, I've had so many friends who I've tried to teach how to downwind foil and they all kill it and it's amazing, but they kind of have these like blinders on where they're just looking straight downwind and they just have their sight set on like that one horizon point. And I always talk, constantly tell them, I'm like, look around, look to your right, look to your left, because honestly, even if it feels like, even if you just go straight, you'll go the fastest. If you're able to kind of look around and tap into those bumps that you don't see, if you don't kind of like tilt your head, you're never going to go the same speed as you would. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's always funny to kind of like see people just kind of just barreling straight downwind versus like looking around and kind of seeing your surroundings, the ability to tap into those bigger open ocean swells that are just right next to you. Um, it's kind of a cool thing too, which I think is so fun because it's such a cool skill set to develop. Yeah. And like you said, like definitely we have the advantage that we, we did used to, or we used to still sup paddle. A little. Still, still do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we at least had that experience. And like you said, like when I first started downwind paddling, like um, Livio and Jeremy Riggs and mm-hmm. yeah, those sorts of guys were the, were the kings downwind. Um, but get him in a flatwater race. I remember they came to Hood River once and it was like, who, who brought these guys? You know, it was like, yeah, exactly. It's like that they actually, they aren't that fit. No offense to these guys. They're not that fit. <laughs> but, and they'd probably be proud of it, but they can read the bumps so well. And in a downwind yeah. situation, they're just standing there. One of the first races I ever did in Hawaii was, um, was the Dahui race over on the North Shore. And I was hanging out with um, JC and uh, Riggs Napoleon. And we did a downwind mm-hmm. race with Riggs' dad, Aaron. And um, a new, one of the new Nash boards had come and, and Aaron was like, oh no, James, you use the new one. I'll just use this old one. Like, I'm not racing, it's just cool. I'm just here for fun. And we're paddling along. We're just going past, like sort of just past sunset. And the mm-hmm. bump get good. And he's way on the inside surfing this bump and he goes, oh, James, you're paddling harder. Huh? And he's just, <laughs> just getting, I'm like paddling my ass off because I haven't mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, well, keep it up. And he just basically glided past me. Like I was not even moving. Yeah. And I'm on the like the brand new, I think it was the Nash Javelin. And he was on the old banana Nash that was super heavy. Mm-hmm. He's just surfing this bump. 
and I'm paddling as hard as I can. And that's a really good, I guess, metaphor for people foiling now. If you can tap into the swell energy and, and ride the bumps, you're going to go way faster than if you can just pump up and over. Um, yeah. Especially when you're learning, you've got to think about, see how slow you can go and how much glide the foil's got rather than pumping and working too hard, which I'm sure you found mm-hmm. Molokai too. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, no, less is less is more at that point for sure. There's like, and it's also about like conserving energy at that point, just because for a race like I did, the more energy you can save, the better you're gonna be off. And as like well as learning, you know, the more you can conserve your legs and keep them from just turning into jello, the more fun you're gonna have and the farther you'll be able to go successfully. Yeah. And it's I guess you know, your Maliko runs an awesome place to sort of work on that. But any anywhere where Mm-hmm. the foil that's going to fit the speed of the swells or the wind chop or whatever it is that you've got if your foil fits the conditions you shouldn't have to work as hard as you think you should especially when you're exactly learning. yeah so yeah tell us about your second m2o experience and how that was different um yeah so that was that was exciting too but i think i came into that like knowing i was going to do that i still i actually I had some pressure to do it on my 17 foot unlimited board because at that point I had started riding for NSP and they just make incredible race boards. And they have, it was an old board of Travis's and it was one that he had won M2O on and they gave it to me. And it, the board is like incredible. I did an, um, a Maui to Molokai race on it and the thing just flew itself across the channel. Like I'd like to take credit for that crossing and I can't, the board did all the work. It was really cool. And so I knew I was gonna like I came into the opposite knowing I was gonna foiling like foil it and then I had this like slight in the back of my mind like well, what if I could win M2O on a step board like racing and um Travis was trying to convince me not to foil it he's like I think you should paddle it I think you should do it and I'm like I really want to foil it and so there was again kind of that question of like what should I do and I ended up siding with the foiling side of it just because I think that's what my heart was telling me to do that's what I had the most fun doing that's just what overall made me the happiest to do and um, and so that crossing was a little different. I had a setup, I mean, foiling had progressed so far. I had a setup that fit, fit my needs a little bit better. Um, I had a longer mast, I had a better board. And so it definitely worked out a, a lot better. I got up a lot faster. I didn't flat water pump right off of the start. It took me like probably like a minute, 30 seconds to a minute to get kind of get up and going. Um, but once I got up and going, I fell once. I was really bummed. I wanted to make it the whole way. I made it to about China wall and then just hit a warble and my legs were so fatigued at that point. I like couldn't keep them up and I fell, got back up and then kept pumping. Um, yeah, was, that race was incredible. I was getting up in China wall because I know here in my local run, we have lots of China wall-esque sort of situations where yeah. we're running out, we get like all this backwash, not as bad as China wall, but some places are pretty good, um, you know, simulations of it, I guess. Um, but I know when it's really backwashy, it's super hard to get up and going. You know, when it's all clean and, you know, all running the same direction, it's certainly easier. But I couldn't imagine, you know, what, 45 Ks in at China Wall yeah. in the washing machine. So did it take you long to get going again? It, it was a mess for sure. You know, I was trying to stay on my board. Everything was kind of, everything was happening all at once. And I think if I had fallen much more, I hadn't fallen up until that point, but if I had fallen at all earlier I would have struggled a lot harder but because I hadn't had to because I think getting up is when you exert the most energy in downward foiling which is the hardest part and so I think if I had had to do that much more I would have struggled a lot more unfortunately 
think it took me about probably 30 seconds all said and done from falling, hopping back on my board really fast and paddling for probably about 20 seconds, kind of trying to find the right bump so that I wouldn't have to work quite as hard as just trying to pump up without any assistance. And it actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I got pretty lucky with somehow all my cards aligned and I got a little bump that pushed me up from the back. And I was so happy, like that initial release when your board leaves the water and it's just the foil. And like, I was like, Oh, I just took like a sigh of relief where I was like, I did it. Okay. We're good. We'll keep going. And then, um, I know Kai and Jeffrey, that was the year that they just had their like battle, like down to the wire and they pumped most of the way in, at least Kai did. And I wasn't on that program. Yeah. Um, it was really fun. This, this race was different because I was with all the other foilers. The last, the race before that there were less and I didn't really see anybody, but this race was fun. Cause I was kind of going back and forth with a bunch of different foilers out there. And me and my friend from France, Alex Bacrell, we ended up paddling in side by side all the way to the finish line, which was kind of fun. Um, but I did end up still paddling and I'm hoping one of these years we'll get a big south swell for M2O and I'll get to foil all the way into the beach, which is like my dream scenario. I think it'd be so fun. How good would that be? Um, I actually had a front row seat of that Kai and Jeffrey scenario because I was paddling on my stand up and um, yeah. it was a super windy year, which it was a great year to foil, I think. Um, mm-hmm. When you came to the end, because there was no, <laughs> it was pretty, I, I, I paddled right over the shallowest bit of reef and I didn't, really catch away but I think I got a swell and I just got blown off it altogether and that's on a race board yeah oil you're even higher so you get blown back even worse um mm-hmm. I was fully confused when I paddled and obviously I it was four almost four hours in and um Kai goes past and I'm like oh no surprise Kai's won and I keep paddling in and I see Jeffrey paddling on his stomach and I'm like was mm-hmm. did Jeffrey go past me or was it and yeah it turns out Jeffrey was a long way in front like minutes yeah he had kai and kai just pumped upwind all the way in what a beast yeah it's It's like it's like different like i think everybody forgets that the race isn't over until the race is over like for the most part everybody thinks that the battle is in the channel but it's crazy when it comes down to something like that like at the very end where no one thought that jeffrey would have been caught and it was just somehow like kai's just sheer will and strength just like overtook jeffrey in that moment but I was, I was rooting for the underdog. I was rooting for Jeffrey and I was so happy when Kai got it too, but I was like, damn it, Jeffrey, like, why couldn't you just kept going a little bit longer? I think um, but I think I'm excited. I'm excited to hopefully watch them battle it out again. Um, maybe throw you into the mix there. And I think if it happens in the next few years, I'm really excited to see the turnout and just how many people we can get, how many girls we can get out there and just kind of how many people we can get enjoying that, that run on a foil. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I was, you know, stoked to win 2019. Um, you mm-hmm. know, Travis was actually on the sideline, as was Connor, because of certain events and Travis was injured. So I was, I was actually pretty pumped to do it again on my stand-up in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Now, looking like earliest it's going to be 2022, I don't think I'm going to jump back on the stand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I keep asking the organisers to do two separate races so I can do both. Mm-hmm that's going to happen oh you'd probably be the same you'd love to paddle it one day too um but yeah I guess we were talking earlier and there's this been there's been a massive influx of foilers through wing foiling and then it's it's Mm -hmm. these wing foilers to get into downwinding too which has been so cool but we, we both know that wing downwinding is very different to I guess downwinding prone or sup just because Mm -hmm the wing gets in the way basically and it's it kind of it's like this cross between sailing and 
and downwinding. And it's an awesome way to get people to do the runs, understand how fun it is. But I guess you do a lot of winging as well. Can you explain to us the differences that I guess you find? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, at least what I've noticed, like the winging is easier to learn, I think. Because anybody that has learned how to downwind foil knows it is no easy task. It can be so incredibly frustrating. Like I was, I came in from a couple runs ready to quit, wanting to like run my foil over with a car, like just so done. Um, and so, yeah, I think winging is a little bit easier to learn and it's a really, really great kind of setting to get that feeling for downwinding just because you can let go of that wing and you kind of get to feel what it's like to pump bumps and utilize the energy of the ocean to get yourself downwind. But at the same time, if you do kind of get to that point where you can't do it anymore, you just pop the wing up and you're able to, you know, zip back and forth and keep going. But from what I found, I don't downwind foil much with the wings at all. Maybe when I teach people how to wing and we kind of just float downwind, I'll do it. But I find the second I get up there and I don't want that wing in my hands anymore, I just drop it and I'm like running it over and it's in my way. And when I turn, I can't see the foil and I can't see the bumps in front of me. And so I just find that it's kind of a pretty big, it, it hinders you in a big way. And I think anybody who has the ability to wing, if they have that determination to kind of put in the time to learn in downwind foiling, the reward you get and the freedom you feel like not having that big clunky thing in your hands is so worth it just because it really opens up so many possibilities and it, it lets your body move more too, I think, just because when you kind of have your hand up like this, just awkwardly holding a wing, mm -hmm. it really kind of like limits your mobility. And then taking that out of the whole equation just really lets you kind of prepare and fully pump yourself to go downwind. Yeah, that's, you put it really well, I guess. I've had, I guess we both had those moments where you're winging downwind and you have the wing somehow get right in your view in between you and yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Mindfolded downwind and it is the scariest thing ever because you're like, mm -hmm. that bump didn't just get steeper on me because I'm going to breach and go through this wing. Um, yeah. Really, I've seen a few people do it pretty, you know, in, in the right conditions, I feel like you can, like say the wing's a little bit cross and the swell's a different angle. I have had some fun, conditions where you can really simulate that downwind experience because the wings mm -hmm. are just sort of you know gliding and riding swells which is a different angle but it doesn't happen that often and yeah I, I really want to convert those wingers into downwind foilers so we can have you know th these races or even just have you know some some fun sort of social downwind paddles where we can just have a big crew and everyone's just sort of zipping in around each other and there are so many I guess not waves but there's so much energy out in the ocean that mm -hmm. all downwinding like it, it's it's such a cool thing to be sharing a bump with someone downwinding um and it's different to winging so yeah i'm i'm the reason like we spoke before but the reason i'm doing these podcasts and doing my coaching and all the online stuff is i want more people to be downwind foiling whether it be with a sap or prone or boogie boogie foil like that <laughs> that's the limit yeah <laughs> Anyway, and one of the things that I've sort of played around with is to teach people, or not to teach, but something I've to inspire people is the, the deflate where you're going along and you deflate your wing because then you've got your chip in. And if you deflate the wing, you sort of scrunch it up in a ball or a bag or whatever you've got and you can mm -hmm. downwind because you've got your chip in. And like you said, like Annie, you didn't fall off for. 45 kilometers downwind imagine if at from Molokai to Oahu you used your wing just to get going deflate yeah. and then downwinded the whole way and then when you came down this is the bad part <laughs> I have a pump in my <laughs> like a, like it's a normal kite pump 
and I'd pump it up in the water. Okay, have you had that happen before? Because I've been so curious because watching you and seeing those videos, I've been blown away. I'm like, how does he do this? Like your ability, like I'm not that coordinated. Your ability to deflate a wing on foil and keep going, like I would do something wrong and I'd end up in the water, like drowning in my wing, but it's so impressive to me. It's it's not as hard as you think. So the reason, the way it came about, I guess, was I was, um, there's there's a, a few reasons. Our, our runs here, the, the swell and wind always push us on, like onshore. So by mm -hmm. the first time I did it, I just winged way out to sea, like sort of three or four kilometers, so three miles. And I just deflated and I'd wrap the wing up and put in a backpack and I'd have a paddle and I'd paddle up. And that was cool because you'd have, it'd be like the perfect downwind run because you got the good angle. So you're just going straight in with everything. And then mm -hmm. I had all my gear and I'm like, well, worst case, if I deflate it now, I'm just going to come down and I just have to roll it up and I can paddle up. So why don't I just try to deflate it while I'm going? And I just deflate it while I was going. And I'm like, still going. I'm like, whoa, this is weird. <laughs> you know, you've got this chipping and you're going downwind. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's this one run that we have sort of up by a national park and in a strong westerly breeze, which is offshore. We go upwind, like up a river, basically, sort of Hood River style. You go up a river and then mm -hmm. you pack down and you come back to where you started. And there's no, you can't drive there. You just have to sort of go out into the middle of this river and come back. Um, and it's sort of like a 5K sort of stretch. And I was like, well, this is the perfect scenario. And what mm -hmm. I was I'd go a little bit further out to sea because I could. And I'd just in, pump my wing back up and I'd go back upwind. So I did, you know, four runs in the space of what you'd normally have to do the time wise you'd have to do it like it, it just it just made it better and I'm like well I can pump my wing up and just go straight back up and don't have to drive and there's no shuttle or I don't have to do any of this stuff so that was one of the ways I was trying to like in my head I'm like well if I can teach a wing up just to deflate and just sort of wrap the wing up then they've got their chip in the hard part is now convincing someone that pumping up a wing in the water is a good thing to do because <laughs> it's it's not fun like by any means I'm, I'm trying to come up with uh, anyone listening um like a co2 cartridge imagine i was gonna say something like that would be really cool yeah I, i'm sure i guess i'm hoping it happens and whether it's me or whether it's someone else i don't care i just want someone to come up with an idea and we'll, we'll figure it out but that's something that i'm really excited to try and maybe annie you should give it a crack one day <laughs> yeah no watching you do that i always see the videos of you and it's it's so impressive i'd definitely be up to giving it a try just just to like just to experience it i feel like just because maui there aren't many settings where you need to have that kind of you know there's north um, days like when it's north and you but yeah something like that would be really cool because i think there are those situations i was just in tofino in canada and there was one day where it was nuking probably like 40 miles an hour 40 knots straight on shore and it looked like the best downwind run ever like double overhead bumps and it, yeah there is that kind of thing where you're like well I don't have a boat to drop me off four miles off the coast but I could easily wing up wind and be totally fine so hmm. given the right situation I'd definitely be open to trying something like that just because it sounds like quite the adventure and what could possibly go wrong what could possibly go wrong and I guess yeah nothing <laughs> the one thing that can go wrong is you don't want your bladder to fill up with water and so that's something no. yeah <laughs> has that happened to you before i've had a bit of water come in um just a little bit and it's like you know it's probably maybe a cup you know it's, and you can just sort of mm -hmm. afterwards and you don't really notice the weight until you go to pump it up the next time and water's spitting <laughs> um yeah so that's you need it's a little bit more maintenance afterwards you just have to sort of hang your wing upside down and have all the bladders up and all the water sort of drains out that way so mm -hmm. it's 
it's not a perfect situation, but I think with the right um, with the right setup and if a few wing brands decide to make something that's specifically designed for doing that, it could be yeah. it could be a way to get more people into downwinding. I don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, it could be cool. Because I always, because like the big wave suit that I use, you have a pull vest and so you pull it and that's a CO2 cartridge that inflates the whole thing. So something like that, I feel like would be super cool with the wing because in the in the vest that we have, there's like a valve on the back that makes sure it doesn't overinflate. Because if you have, you know, a huge inflation, eventually it's going to pop if you put too much air in it. But I think like if you have like a vent in the back that it released some of it so that you don't inflate your wing too much, it could be really cool. It'd be an expensive an expensive downwinder would be like 15 bucks per cartridge, but I think it could be really interesting to develop something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That, maybe the price will come down when more people do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. But like an emergency, like like last resort type of thing, you pull out your wing, you pump it up and you're good to go. Mm, yeah, because best case scenario, you don't come down. You deep mm-hmm. once and you'd go the whole way, which yeah, is kind of, you know, on a Maliko run, you know, Hopefully you're not coming down at all unless conditions are really bad. Um, yeah. Actually, I've just thought of something, and I, this is worth. Do you remember that run you, Bant, and I did with um, Norm's jet ski? It was a prone. Oh jet- my gosh! And we <laughs> left you at at freaking Pier One for like an hour. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. That was my first. That was the first time I'd ever been like foil downwinding at all. Yeah, so it was early days and, and Bam and Annie invite me to come on this sort of downwind prone run and prone foil run. And um, I was like, yeah, super stoked. We, we, we basically, Bam's dad, Norm, was just whipping us into swells and you just keep going until you came down. Um, I guess mm-hmm. I'm a little bit longer than you guys because I went all no. the way, like, <laughs> you know, pretty much to P1, like prone, didn't come down. On, on, this is on the EVA, the original like go foil EVA. And I was thinking, like, there was a point where I'm like, well, if I, if I come down now, are they going to be able to find me? And I'm like looking at the coast, I'm like, it's too far gone. That point was, you know, five minutes ago. So I just kept going and I'm like, I've just got to make it to the finish. I've just got to make it to the finish. And I got to P1, draw outside, probably two kilometers outside P1. And I come down and I'm like, hmm, one of the sharkiest spots on Maui. And yeah, and then, you know, short, long story short, you guys drove past probably 20 minutes later and I'm like waving. I'm like, I'm over here. <laughs> no, I remember spotting you. We were looking and I was like, pretty sure we just killed James. Like he's not anywhere to be found. And what happened was Bant was going fine and then they switched and it was my turn. And I had no idea what I was doing. So I was just floundering in the water and then eventually I gave up and Bant kept going. But yeah, I remember we were like, oh, he definitely made it all the way, hopefully. Like otherwise we have no idea where he went. It was like getting dark, the sun was setting and then somehow out of the corner of my eye I looked and you were like closer in than we were so we were like about to go into the harbor and just leave you and then I saw flailing arms I'm like that's James he's still alive he's still there and yeah I can't imagine having to like sit there I would have had a heart attack sitting in that water for you know 30 40 minutes like you did definitely didn't seem like the ideal location yeah I was I was preoccupied in my head I've given up on you guys because I'm like well They'll take as long as they need to. I just have to make it in by myself. And if I can get a wave at Pier 1, I can just foil the rest mm-hmm. of it. And um, I think I actually, the reason you saw me, because I got a chip in and I got up and I was waving, maybe. Yeah. Um, and if I don't think if I hadn't gotten up on that wave, I probably was just going to have to paddle in <laughs> one, which yeah. is at the end of the world. But yeah, sun setting, it was getting dark. And I had paddled in a long way. 
I was on the. You line. don't want to do the paddle of shame, though. Never want to do the paddle of shame. No, no. Common theme, I guess, with me going on downwind runs. <laughs> you know, with you or the Spencers. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got to pay to play. I. Uh, it it I, definitely happens. I've paddled my fair share of runs where I did not want to be doing that. And multiple Maliko runs have been struggled. Just <laughs> no foil out of the water. Just slowly trudging to the very end yeah it's not much fun um i want to finish with a couple well i want to talk to you a little about a little bit about winging because you're killing it on the wing i've seen all your photos and you're doing the big jumps and um sort of wing surf foiling too and that's something that is getting bigger and bigger and it's i guess it's worth you know i've got you one i may as well ask you about it tell us mm-hmm. about it's your winging journey as well yeah it's been really really fun i think when it first came out i didn't really think it was going to be anything i was like oh this sport looks really fun it's kind of like a weird niche kind of within foiling um but to see where it's like gone it's just been amazing uh the first time i ever tried it was like one of jeffrey and finn's slingshot wings and then um eventually i got onto one of the ozone wasp wings which is like what i'm using now that's what i still use today and yeah, it's been really amazing. I think I've never really had like a wind sport other than downwind, the downwind and growing up. I never really had like an actual wind sport, like a kiting or windsurfing or anything like that. I'd taken lessons when I was a kid, but I never like mastered any of them. Mm. Um, so it's been really fun to kind of have something to turn to when it is windy and I don't want to downwind to like kind of work on and put time into. And that's what winging was for me. And it's grown so much. I think like watching Jeffrey do the backflips and Tetuan do the backflips and Kai and Ridge and all these guys just take it to the next level is really cool. And it's gone so much further than I ever thought it would. And yeah, yeah, not only does it open up like the freestyle side of things, like the backflips and the front flips and the jumps, but it's also opened up so many doors for the surf foiling side of things. Um, Because here in Maui, like the winters are predominantly just so windy and we have these outer reefs that are usually unsurfed. I mean, unless there's like a couple like windsurfers or kiters out there. And when it's super windy, we will wing out to them and just, I mean, we'll catch like 30 waves in like a 30 minute period just because you're just nonstop. It really cuts out that like paddling middleman. And um, it's been really, really fun. Cause I think you can just, although as we discussed earlier, like having that wing in your hand does add that level of frustration. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth it in that situation just because of your ability to like, you know, you can turn right around, whip into the next wave, the next wave, the next wave, and just being able to kind of, you know, catch so many waves in such a small period of time is so cool. Yeah, it's like a self whip. It's like having your own jet ski. Like, exactly. Yeah. Throwing <laughs> yourself into these waves, and like, yeah, it's windy, but you're using that wind to your advantage. And like you say, the wind, the wing is a little bit of a nuisance. Like, if you could tow yourself in and then not have the wing, that'd be awesome. But you wouldn't be getting those back-to-back waves, so. I feel like on a wave, the wing behaves itself a bit better than when it does when you're downwind because you're getting pushed sort of the same direction. I don't know exactly why it is, but it, t- to me, the wing doesn't flip out on you as much when you're mm-hmm. on a wave as when you're downwind because you're going all those different lines and different angles compared to the wind. It, it messes it up, the experience up a little bit. Um, I'm loving the, the wing surfing in particular. I haven't done much of the freestyle stuff. How's your freestyle game coming with the winging? And I... You mentioned the backflips, but <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's coming along. It's a goal of mine. It's been a goal of mine for a long time. I um, I spent a lot of time last winter kind of doing the backflips without the wing. We were doing like the toe ats with the waves and the flips and stuff. And that was really fun. And um, yeah, that was an exciting kind of thing. And so I tried a couple backflips 
this summer and then it ended up popping all of my wings that I was using to do backflips in the course of like a week and I was like oh gosh this is gonna be a a very um (laughs) yeah not an easy thing to deal with because I I had like a couple threes usually I use a three meter when I'm doing backflips just because a four is so hard to like get up and over your head and try and use and I popped all of them and I got them fixed and then popped them again and so I um I didn't end up actually learning how to do a backflip this summer, which was was my goal. I was bummed about, but it's my goal. Like, I still want to do it. I still want to figure it out. I feel like if I can do it without a wing, if I throw a wing in there one day, I'll hopefully be able to learn it. Um, I have like the best guys teaching, trying to teach me how to do it. So I feel like if there's, I have all the necessary components, it's just a matter of me getting it together and figuring out how to actually do it. But it's a goal. I'd love to do it. It's scary and it's a way to keep it entertaining. Yeah, to me, I feel like just the, the fact that you're going for it and, and giving it a crack is is the probably like for me. I haven't even I've never thought, oh, I'm gonna go for a backflip. You know, I've never <laughs> to that. You know, I'm too scared. Like like you say, you've gone through so many wings, and I had a friend break his nose the other day doing a 360, like a handle pass sort of thing. He just came oh, you're kidding! And he just yeah, like knocked himself out. Um, I didn't. Oh see my him. gosh! Help him. Um, shout out to Dan and Jace. <laughs> <laughs> that's so heavy poor guy hope he's doing better yeah, that put me off even more because he's, he's this guy's quite good at freestyle stuff and he always bad yeah. come on do a few jumps and i'm like i'm gonna strap some on my board again because i don't want to do jumps mm-hmm. <laughs> so i've sort of you know the winging i kind of try to keep to on the wave um but i know um even marcus just landed his first sort of 360 yeah earlier in the week and he's saying he's like you gotta try it jimmy yeah it's you yeah gotta- i'm gonna tell you now it's not gonna last you're gonna get the bug and you're gonna like be like i'm just gonna put it on once and then <laughs> you're never gonna take the foot straps off again <laughs> just a fair yeah. warning yeah well lucky i've only got one set of foot straps and i kind of go between my crane and my wing board at the moment mm. off both of them so i haven't put them back in but yeah i think you're right I-, I will i went through a bit of an air stage on my like prone board and that was fun and then I landed, mm-hmm. okay, I've done that now. And I, I just haven't put them back on. But um, at the moment, I'm strapped free. See how long it lasts. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I give you maybe a couple more weeks and then you'll, <laughs> you'll hopefully, <laughs> you'll want to test it out. It's, it's definitely like it adds, it's, it's pretty much like a whole other sport. It's crazy. Because, I mean, <laughs> the cruising in the waves with the wing is so fun. And that's more foil oriented. It's not quite as much relying on the wing. The wing's just kind of like a, it's like a crutch it's there for you when you need it but most of the time you don't need it yeah. um and then with the winging and like the kind of freestyle stuff that's just like a whole other level and that just like it brings in people i think which has been cool it's it's brought in a lot of like windsurfers and kiters kind of just because they did all these freestyle tricks from their sports and they're introducing it into winging and it just adds like this kind of mixing pot of weird new things and yeah. constantly like videos i see on the internet where i'm like i'll never be able to do that that's unbelievable yeah, some of the stuff that, you know, uh, was it Noah and Austin Tuvi are doing, like there's mm-hmm. Kai and Titwan. Ridiculo, like, yeah, there's so yeah. many guys out there who are just unbelievable at it. It's like, I just look at it, I'm like, it, to me, it's just too technical. I just put it in the, that's amazing. And mm-hmm. they- <laughs> I know I have that, like both sides where I'm like, I really want to be able to try that and do that. And I'm like, I need to take a step back, like realize like, I got to take my time. We'll see what happens. Um, but it definitely like watching these guys do it and push the level. It, it 
gets you to the point where you're like, oh, I really want to try it. Like it, you just start to kind of get like coaxed into it. Yeah, I, I went through a phase where it was just super windy and I had straps on my board and I'd just go out with the biggest wing I could get and the smallest foil and just go see as high as I could go. And that was, mm-hmm. that sort of felt a little bit more controlled, I guess that's how it starts you know you get low yeah slippery slope all of a sudden you're doing backflips and front flips and uh, luckily i've taken the straps off for now so Mm -hmm. stay tuned but i'm 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 enjoying watching you because you're boosting and sending it backflips which to me i haven't even i haven't um i think i've tried one backflip just getting towed into a wave like you were saying (laughs) yeah it's hard to get vertical like i just found i kept going sideways and it is. I perforated my eardrum trying to do that the last time I attempted those with the jet ski and it was, it, it was not fun. Um, but it's really weird. Cause like I was, I wasn't going like perfectly back. I was like twisting my body. So I was doing this like weird corked out thing where I end up coming down like right on my side. And it was, it's like a really weird thing to commit to. It's, it's one of the scarier things to just like fully go backwards and just rely on your body movements to get you where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. You're not really convincing me. <laughs> so, you can do it though, if, but I figured it out. So if I can figure it out, you got this. <laughs> let's, let's follow that. I guess you being scared and, and pushing yourself beyond your limits. Like I've been stoked to, to watching you charging jaws. So do it. Maybe we finish up on some of this and I guess what plans you have this, this winter coming. Yeah. I mean, the big wave thing, it makes me excited just to talk about it. I've, I've like watched Jaws since I was a little girl and I've always wanted to be out there and um, getting to surf it a couple of years ago for the first time was amazing. It's been a dream of mine. I think that's like, that's kind of been like my biggest goal out of all of my water sports. That's what I've always wanted to do. Surfing big waves has been something I've been passionate about, just like watching and seeing from a young age. And um, the winter before last was when I kind of like surfed Jaws for the first time, like consistently surfed all the swells. And then last winter I put in a lot of time. I was out there every time it broke and not just towing, but paddling and kind of, you know, just trying to put my time in out there, not really expecting big results, but just wanting to be out there for every swell and learn from the people out there, learn from the wave itself and just learn from being in that environment. And, um, yeah, for this year, I hope for more of that. I hope for hopefully better waves, less wipeouts, um, kind of just enjoying the experience and learning it. I think like big wave surfing for sure is like, it's kind of like a, a long run type of thing. I'm in it for the long run. I kind of want to see myself succeed hopefully over the course of the next few years. And yeah, I think just looking forward to pushing myself in both the towing and the um, and the paddling side of things and then maybe throwing in a foil somewhere in the mix there we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah yeah that's something that i guess i hadn't uh, i'd thought about a lot for a while but i've actually sort of forgotten more of but like the foiling in big waves you're probably at the forefront being in maui because all those things sort of seem to happen in maui first mm-hmm. how much of the small foil big wave towing is going on over there did, did you think that's going to be something that's seen more this winter yeah, I think it's been pretty cool because there's a lot of days on Maui where Jaws is glassy up. It's like it's glassy up at Piahi and there's big waves down the coast, but it's either just capping or like just not breaking. And it actually makes Jaws, it's a really, really fun just tow foil wave. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's actually a, quite a few people that like the go foil crew will go up there and um, they'll foil it like that. And so, yeah, I think it'll be really exciting because Kai's 
Kai and Zane, I think they're the two that have foiled it when it's big, but it'll be kind of cool to see if other people get into it because it's such a different side of foiling. Like the setup you need for that kind of thing is just so like polar opposite to what you ever look for in a surf foil or in a downward foil. I mean, you want a wing that's like this big and a mast that's like, you know, eight feet tall so you can yeah. keep yourself underwater, you know, from popping out of the water. So I really hope that that's kind of explored more because I feel like on a speed level and on kind of just like a, an extreme level for foiling, that's kind of as far as you can take it. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens. I hope I can maybe, you know, try a couple of those foils because I've never been on a foil that's designed for something like that and just mess around and see exactly what is possible because I feel like, you know, there are some big opportunities out there. It'd be exciting to see what happens. Yeah, I, I really think that's kind of the final frontier or next frontier maybe, not final because mm -hmm. Come up, you don't ever expect them to, but like you know, winging, downwinding, surf foiling, and I think the big wave stuff is something the foils haven't really mm -hmm. designed, been designed for. But yeah, theoretically, like you look at America's Cup, they're going so fast, and is any surfer going as fast as that? Like you know, what I mean, so if we can design a foil that can go faster than a surfboard, which you know, I think still surfboards are probably going faster. Like down at Nazare, they're probably going faster mm -hmm. than the foil is. So if you can design a foil that can go faster than a surfer, then all of a sudden the big wave surfers, I think, will be using foils. Like imagine like big jaws when it's windy, you tow it with a foil or Nazare or something, and all of a sudden, because you're going faster than the wave, you can attack it like, you know, Kai and, you know, Lucas did at Nazare. Um, yeah. Rather than just hanging on. Yeah, so it'd be, be interesting, I think. What, what, yeah, it's all, you know, you're in the front row seat. No, I'm... I think at that point only time will tell, but I agree. I think it'll be exciting to see because I think there's so many amazing people out there in that lineup of Jaws. And um, it's been really cool to see all of them really kind of just like, I think there's a lot more people out there that are doing multiple sports in that lineup. For now, the small step of a lot of the paddle surfers are getting into the toe and surfing. And, you know, there's so many windsurfers and kiters out there that'll switch on and off. And so it'll be exciting to see if any of them take that step to the foiling where you know, they'll switch out their gear and they'll try a foil and see exactly what happens. And I think, I think that is coming down the road and I'm excited to see um, exactly what people get up to out there. Cause I, hopefully it'll be crazy. I'll be entertained, fingers crossed. Yeah. Hopefully you're out there doing it with them. Cause I think, you know, it's- That too, that'd be amazing. Um, yeah, well, um, I think we finished up there. It's been a great chat, Annie. Um, thanks so much for coming on and sharing, you know, all, all your experiences and knowledge. And it's been a pleasure to chat to you because you, you know, you're only young, but you've achieved a lot already and I'm excited to, to watch and hopefully I can get over to Maui sometime soon and we can get, get out there for a downwinder or maybe you can show me the lineup at yours. <laughs> Perfect. No, that sounds great, James. Thanks so much. It's been nice to hear your voice again and connect back and talk about, yeah, old times and hopefully exciting things to come. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, um, once again, thanks and we'll um, touch base soon. Perfect.